Hello, everybody, and welcome, and welcome to episode 47 of, of the Printing Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thanks for checking, checking out today's episode. Now, now, I got special on this episode for you because it's not very often, often that I'm able to have, to have designer and creative behind the, the band and the print project, but also the, the customer, right? So today, today is a duo uh, double guest, guest episode. Um, so thank you very much for my guest, my guest Austin, for setting that up and bringing on the show. So who is is the guest here today? Today we're talking with Austin from Durham, which you also could hear in episode eighteen. Had a good conversation with him there, him there as well. And Carl Harley, art director of the customer for Austin, which is Rove Companies. A Rove Companies specializes in a lot of. Um, sort of masculine lifestyle brands, some subscription brands, and, and today specifically talking about the unboxing and brand experience in print, print created for Manor Goods. Manor Goods is sort of sort of the modern man's premium subscription box, um, and, and and this episode Carly tells tells us about that and the kind of products that, that they had in there, some things they've done in the past. It's really freaking cool. And it's great to have both of them on this show because Austin can speak from the the, the thought process side for Durham, and, and then Carly can speak to like the, the customer side, and, and went into like how how the presentation went um, for these concepts that Durham gave them, and what their feedback was on materials and, and all those kind of kind of decisions. Is great. That's what I love about doing doing this show is bringing you that behind the scenes. Um, you know, view of what, what, how the conversations, how did you decide on meals? How did you decide what process, process, what problems did you encounter that you had, had to come? What challenges? Um, so this is a great, a great episode for that. We, you get behind the scenes look and Carly shares with us, with us some of the challenges that they encounter while creating, creating the sand and sourcing materials and getting all that set stuff dialed up and correct, correct. So, so let's. Stop talking. Get into into it, ladies and gentlemen. My guests, guests Austin and Carly. Cue, cue the end. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rocked their world. From file prep to holding the finished product in their hand and all the key decisions in between. So, let's talk ink on paper. Austin and Carly, welcome to the Print Design Podcast. How are you both doing? Thank you. Good, thanks. Good. Good afternoon, my man. Awesome. So I figure with answers, we're just going to go ladies first here, Austin. So Carly's going to hit it first, Perfect. and then you'll have to you'll have to come in afterwards. Um, but uh, I thought we just started off with a good old classic difficult question of tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So my name's Carly. Um, I'm the art director here for Rove Companies. Um, joined the team in January. Um, so I do all things graphic design, photography, uh, try and manage all visuals that go out the door to represent our family of brands um, from Manor to Cigar Club to Good Cigar Co. to Gentleman's Box. Um, so doing print, web, social, you name it, um, which is a lot of fun. Keeps me keeps me busy. Um, before coming here to Rove, I was in experiential graphic design, um, oh. designed for sports arenas. Uh, and so totally, totally different world here, but it's, it's a lot of fun. That's cool. So, and soon you're going to be adding Canadian Cigar Club. Is that, did I hear that yes. correctly? Yes, we're working on the Canadian Cigar <laughs> Club at the moment, you know, working through <laughs> all the legalities of that, but you know, it's coming. Yeah, there's a lot of legalities for sure. Um, Austin, you've been on the show before, but uh, give a little intro. Yeah, man. I, nothing's changed, I think, since the last time we talked, for the most part. But uh, my name's Austin Dunbar. I'm the principal here at Durham. Uh, I guess the only thing that has changed, we moved to a new studio, which is in the bloopers of the upfronts, me moving around for 25 minutes to figure out where we can actually have this talk. Uh, but I've uh, been doing this for about eight years. Uh, some of our clients are obviously Manor, what we're talking about today, Cigar Club. 
which Carly made mention of, Gentleman's Box, which she also made mention of, but <laughs> a bunch of other people as well, like Bud Light, Old Spice, DoorDash, Naval Injection. There's a whole list of people that we work with. Um, and yeah, man, I'm excited to, always excited to talk to you. Always appreciate the invitation. And I'm glad uh, glad it's actually finally happened because I know we were going back and forth for a while. Which is yeah, my exactly. Fault. No, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> it's yeah. my fault too. I tried to squeeze a little family vacation in there, and with everything else going on, you know, we we I'm glad we can make it work and align schedules. Yep. Yep. Um, so could I start off first on just sort of if it, asking basically how this relationship between um, Durham and Rove started? Like, who reached out to who, and what was kind of the first projects that that tied up that relationship? Yeah. So the guy who's Probably, I would say, and Carly, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's definitely the face of Cigar Club. Um, yes, Dave. Yeah, his name is Dave Ember. So he actually came from the design world previously in a place down in Florida. I forget the studio's name, mm-hmm. but he, when he was in Florida, knew of Durham up here. His words, not mine. And he said, when he moved up here, it was like, you're one of my top three favorite studios. And he named the other two, and I was like, "Well, shit, okay, buddy." Like, I don't, I don't know about that, but um, that's uh, that's what he, that's what he thought. And we started talking, and we were smoking cigars together, et cetera, et cetera. He was moved up here; he was doing some cigar club stuff. And at that time, Rove was just a comp- a couple of companies, but they were in the process of doing acquisition of a couple of other companies while also doing a reface and new like viz id and brand positioning for some of their current brands so that was cigar club um, and manor was born uh out of what they started moving their business model into which was doing the acquisition but also like looking at what they were acquiring and be like let's do something different and new um and in this case more premium than some of the other stuff that we're working on mm-hmm. put anything else to that carly because that, that's kind of that's kind of like how it yeah, definitely. So I know y'all started working together on Cigar Club over Dave's fanboying of you. Yep. <laughs> um, and then we acquired Gentleman's Box last October, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, Gentleman's Box had a classic and premium subscription. Um, but as we kind of started talking about the structure of Gentleman's Box itself, um, classic was shipping men's formal wear accessories so shipping ties tie clips pocket squares socks and then the premium subscription was shipping goods um and they really had nothing to do with each other other than that they were using the same brand to draw in their audience uh and so we felt like it was an opportunity to take that premium membership and kind of split it off and do something really cool and exciting with it and so austin kind of joined uh, efforts and helping us figure out what that brand and identity was going to be so that it could become its own thing. So it's safe to say that like Rove um, looks after like gentlemen's brands. Is that kind yes. of the, kind of the vibe that the company's going for? Uh, yeah. So currently all of our brands are male focused and they are um, all but a couple um, subscription based. Um, cool. So now I wanted to just get into a little bit of chat about print and I want to kick it back in time a little bit and we'll start with you, Carly. Do you have yeah. any like really early memories of printer packaging, like as a kid or as a teenager, something that you just really remember? Yeah. So my dad collects antiques, um, a lot of them. And so growing up, we always had old posters around he collects a lot of old western and like coca-cola stuff are kind of his two biggest uh i would say antiques that he collects so we always had like even like at the holidays like uh like old school coca-cola like holiday posters that are all like in their original sleeves that you know he kind of like hangs up and puts around the house and um just like a lot of old books and just like even small stuff's in their like initial packaging. And I would say that's kind of, those are kind of some of the biggest pieces um, all the way back that uh, I'm reminded of always just loving and loving. And it was always kind of like rotating through the seasons when he would get different stuff out. Um, So being excited to like see them and look at the details and all Mm -hmm. just the quality of paper um, from the advertisements and just how they've kind of evolved and and changed especially in such an iconic brand i would say those are kind of some of the most memorable pieces for me 
Yeah, and people who are into Coca-Cola, like they're big into Coca-Cola. Like they're trying to pick up all like the early bottles, early cans and signage and all sorts of collectible pieces from that. Yes, I definitely. Went, I went to, um, we were in Ireland, April 2019 now. So a couple of years ago now, we went to the Guinness storehouse that they had there. And one of the coolest things that they had there was this huge wall from like the very first original Guinness bottle packaging oh. all the way up to like the new brand and cans and things like that. Um, but it was just such a cool experience. So somebody who's into Coke would have something similar. That's awesome. Just seeing the evolution of one brand that's still around and still so powerful. Um, mm -hmm. Just the physical pieces of what they were doing. hundred so percent. It's awesome. Awesome. Take us back to your childhood, man. What's something that stands <laughs> yeah, out to you? Yeah, I think we I think we've talked about this once or twice before, maybe, but I and I was trying to remember. I think it was um uh, what I said at the time, and I think it's still true, is like it's actual CD packaging, not vinyl, mm -hmm. but like CD booklets and all of that. Just because I was yep. born, you know, later 80s, 87. So I was just kind of post some of the vinyl era and going through and like you remember those like 1500 cd books that you can like just yeah. have to flip through and flip through and yeah. flip through and like and i would pick i'd pick cds out of my dad's cd collection based off the album art um and look at all that kind of stuff and then fast forward i think that kind of just cd culture then graduated and kind of turned into like skateboard culture and like looking at skate decks and that all just the ephemera around skateboarding was kind of a lot of the stuff that i was into at the time and not into as much anymore, but um, yeah, just a little bit of that kind of bold, loud, and brash uh, visual vocabulary. Some of the stuff that I was drawn to as mm -hmm. a kid. And after all of these interviews I've done with graphic designers, music and skate culture are the Skateboard, two yeah. the two yeah. majority things that that was like the gateway to design yeah. for people. Yeah, no one says rollerblading. Never. No. 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 So I was like, I was in a, I'm in a, I was like really into aggressive inline rollerblading, and then <laughs> no one says that. <laughs> and if they you do, know, I'm 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 making a joke. I don't don't take that seriously. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But you know what? They're uh, what's coming. Roller skating is coming back, and it's coming back. Is hard. it? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. definitely. Yeah. See, I, with the three dollars, man, I'm checked out of that stuff now. I'm not saying that three dollars can't rollerblade either, but like, just I'm out of the rollerblade scene. Do you remember Heelys? Oh, I yeah. remember them. I never the had soaps. a pair. I never had a pair either. Like, or so I was in just, like, like middle school or plate. something, so it was a big deal when people would wear them to school and get in trouble. Yeah. For, yeah. <laughs> just be like wheeling yeah. down the hall. Yes. <laughs> right. I always see the kids doing that in um, airports. Like mm -hmm. that was when I would always see like just see, some kids just like walk in, they go, <laughs> and they're just wheeling down. They're just staring at you as they're wheeling, wheeling by, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. balling, just gangsta. Yeah, I don't know what um, happened. What about recently, Carly? Any recent interactions with printer packaging that really surprised you, or an or an unboxing experience, or something that you really enjoyed? Yeah. So recently, actually, for Rove, um, for Cigar Club specifically, we were down in Nashville and we met with um, one of the cigar brands that we work with, which is Principal Cigars. They do a lot of small batch boutique mm -hmm. um, cigars. And the owner of that brand lives in this old home in Nashville. And he is actually collect a, a collector of all old paper goods. Um, so stock and bond certificates, railway certificates. Wow. Um packaging like a lot of like advertisements like old 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 cigar packaging i mean anything you can imagine that was printed like early 1800s like old stuff and this house is just full of it uh and so we actually had the opportunity for cigar club to walk through his house and we were there for a few hours and i mean he would just pull stuff out of the corners and he'd pull books out he had like a whole book of like cigar print pieces that like all had like cats in them for example and like even just like that super specific category there would be hundreds in this like binder and just like throwing this here and there um and just seeing and he had all the old um like lithograph books so you could like look through everything and then he'd have the final piece um so you could just like just being reminded of the craft that print started from um, and just 
him like having each individual piece there for you to like look at and look at the layers of stone that was etched for them to create this one one picture um mm-hmm. I was definitely geeking out for like a few weeks after that and um took so many pictures and was showing friends uh but it was a really exciting I mean again kind of antique vintage print experience um but that's something that i'm super drawn to and interested in is just kind of the history of print and where it came from um and just the craft that it is i love the physical when it comes to print and design um and so just to understand and see the roots of that and just get your hands on it and be able to kind of look through it was was super fascinating Oh, totally. It's funny how you say like the older paper, good documents and things like that, like just old stuff like that. My son, for whatever reason, has been huge into that, um, the pawn shop show out of Vegas, like Pawn Stars, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. And he's been watching it back to back on YouTube. And um, the, you know, when, sometimes you get somebody coming in with this old like political document from like the 1700s or 1800s. And you're looking, you're like, that's print from hundreds like- of years ago a stock certificate. You're like, this is like beautiful. You're like, I would hang this in my home. And it was just a, you know, everyday thing then. Yeah. Bizarre. Amazing. Austin, anything recent uh, to surprise you? Yeah. Kind of a dovetail similar ish story. Um, We're doing a restaurant brand and the whole thing with the restaurant and it's in an old bank building. And we went down to the basement into the old vaults and like, you know, the vaults are wider than what I can show you with my hands in this space. And they're, and they're like, they're just intricately carved like crazy. There's all kinds of stuff all over it. And like the insides all carved and this, that, and the other. Well, what was inside there is where they kept all of their records for the bank, um, for everyone's receipts and deposit slips and all this other stuff. This goes back to like the 1800s. Wow. And so we're, and there's just stacks of it. It's like, uh, like this, like teal paper that's like patinaed into this like crazy, I don't even know what to call it color. Um, there's all of these where it was paid. They had a, they had a stamp that was um, like the words pay, like paid, you know, but they were, it was like dot circles that would like punch out of the paper. And so th- there's this like textural thing about it. It was like old, you had people's names. Like some people were depositing like a hundred thousand dollars in 1902. And you're like, that's a Whoa, shit ton of cash. That's a ton. And <laughs> so we're taking, and there's tons of it down there. And so we're taking all of that and we're, we're using that to build the brand around. Wow. Um, more so into like, like wallpaper and wheat paste stuff. And we're going to take some of the old print techniques that they used and bring our girl, Sam, who worked on Manor, um in on the fold to help bring some of that stuff up so we're like hey this like this like punched out paid stamp we need to get one of these made because that's just cool and it's from the bones of the building kind of thing and so we're kind of borrowing from the old to like make for the new uh which was which was pretty cool that was probably the most recent like aha this is fun um yeah uh, thing that i've been a part of recently that's so cool. And, and print has that history. You know, you're not saving an Instagram ad and going back to that in 50 years to, no. to like, to no. review yeah. and see no. what that was like. Like it's yeah. just, it creates something yeah. un- like packaging and print. It just has that staying power, create something cool. Yes, for sure. Love it. Um, so have either of you ever been a part of a print project that went sideways? It did not turn out as you'd hoped. Um, didn't go well. That's a tough one. You want to go first, um, Carly? You go. Okay. I got unless how you, many, unless you... Yeah, how, you, got, you want, how long do you want this to be? Like all of them? <laughs> Not all of them, but uh, the, you know, yeah. like we, we recently Always just something did, that goes wrong. Yeah. We recently just did a whiskey label and there was blind embossed on the whiskey label, but we couldn't mm-hmm. do a straight blind embossed because it was kind of like a wheat colored substrate and mm-hmm. on shelf, it just disappeared. Like, and yeah. so we had actually had a tenant with the Pantone. And so we had just the array of all these Pantones, but we didn't get a print proof. And then, um, cause the deadline was too much and then they printed it and it's like still too light and it is what it is. We had a, a beer client. This was probably four weeks ago. Call me and long story short, like the UPC code was wrong on it. The, all the ink was wrong on it on the shrink wrap, shrink wrap that they were printing around the label artwork got changed somehow. Like, and so, and it was across 600,000 cans. 
that were already printed and you can't just cut shrink sleeves off of cans they actually have to trash all of them uh so that was a two weeks of just a fire drill of um pointing everyone's the printers pointing fingers at me i'm pointing fingers at them and like a whole thing it wasn't on us um but uh so that so that was that was a couple weeks ago um you know, it's kind of every week that it's it's always it's always something. It's like it's like I feel like every time you know something comes back, there's always something that you're like, mm, I feel like that wasn't wasn't supposed to be that way. Or I know with right. even with Manor with the boxes, that was a fun adventure because uh, our boxes change every month the size, and so it was we had to figure out what we could do to make that a reality but still have them be branded and so they ended up being a solid color but even then like ordered 20,000 boxes and got them shipped and they showed up at our warehouse and they were not the right color and the print quality was not up to par and we yeah they looked black and they had streaks and we had to have them all sent back um and made the printer come pick them up personally and and rerun Uh, all of them um So it's always, Hopefully they always were cool an adventure. Um, we got we got there. We figured it out. Why do it too? Like Dave, you probably get this just with what you do. Mm-hmm. Like I know on I know on Manor and I, for other projects that we've done, like substrate problems are a real issue right now. Like you just can't. I was get literally going to ask that next. Okay. Yep. Yeah, like, just supply you, chain in general. You just can't get the colors that you're supposed to be getting. And I know on Manor, like we had like two different blues rocking for a little bit. Maybe we still have two different. They're blues still rockets. not. They're still not a perfect match because we. I mean, we went through six different papers, I think, um, before yeah. we found one that we can like actually get every month. So we just ended up having to commit to making them different enough, but mm-hmm. still in the same pew family. Um, but one is just brighter, and we just kind of had to own that and make a few small design adjustments so it it felt right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even just because we didn't want to print the blue, we wanted it to be the material. Um, and so just trying to get something that we could get regularly mm-hmm. was a nightmare. Oh, it's, it's it's absolutely crazy right now, like being involved in print daily. Um, I have a project right now that I'm working on for a customer. It's 62,000 envelopes and books that go into the envelopes and then they go out for a big direct mail campaign. Um, <clears throat> and the project isn't due to the mail house until April. And I'm telling them now in November, like if I don't have your PO today, right. I cannot Not promise happening. you that it's going to happen. Right, right. Like it's it's that crazy where everybody's right. on allocation for the mills and there's no guarantees of anything. You just kind of get what you get and hope somebody's got something around. Right. Yeah. We yeah. We just we just finished a, a massive print project and we haven't launched it yet. Um, I think legally we can't till February. We're trying to figure that out, but it's all beautiful it's all gorgeous everything's gold foiled and it's just like everything's just expensive 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 um and they're like per sheet cost was like seven or eight bucks uh like so i'm talking like money money and and it was damn impossible to find it and there was only three places in the u.s i think actually maybe in north america that actually stocked it and then they're trying to broker pieces together because they wanted everything the same substrate color um and it it didn't exist but they're like no it has to exist and so we kind of had to navigate those waters and argue over just like hey like uh supply and demands right is kind of messed up right now and paper we're calling the paper mail they're like we don't even have it sorry so it's just like (laughs) we ain't making it for months right now yeah they're like yeah we get picked like two manner or three manner papers and she like was going all the way to like contacting the paper mills and you're like yeah it's gonna be like at least three months before i can get you and i mean our quantities aren't even crazy and Mm -hmm. they just couldn't get it we were like okay what's the darkest blue color paper that we can get (laughs) this many of by next month yeah and then we will align everything that we need to yeah it's crazy times right now I've, i've never seen it like this i've been in print 19 years and i've never seen it like this it's wild times yeah yeah so I think now would be a good time to dive into the projects that we're here to chat about, um, which was sort of the Manor Goods brand and, and print launch that you guys did recently, Austin, that I saw on Instagram. Um, and as soon as I saw it, reached out to you and said, hey, brother, 
let's, let's chat about this one. Um, and I'm glad you were able to rope Carly into this as well, because then I get to hear the client side of things and what, what Carly's expectations were and, and how it was all figured out and met. Um, and you know, if there's, if there's ROI details we can talk about, um, that'd be great. So Carly, do you want to just kind of like kick it off chatting about, um, you know, the project and, and what you reached out to Austin with and what the job was? Yeah, so Austin um, joined efforts with us in December, January, um, as we started to rebrand Manor and figure out, or rebrand Gentleman's Box Premium and turn it into Manor. Um, and so kind of as we went through this process, they created this beautiful um, system for what Manor was going to be. And along with that came um, some initial design concepts for what the packaging and what the print collateral could look like. Um, and then it got kindly passed off to me <laughs> um, and to try and make it a reality and figure out um, how we could execute this beautiful vision that him and his team had created for this brand. Um, we wanted it to be a premium experience. We wanted our, our customer uh, to get this box in the mail and, and feel like it was uh, an elevated experience that they wanted to be a part of. Um, it was a big transition from what they were getting before. Um, we were switching from a quarterly to a monthly subscription. And so um, part of getting them to really buy into that was this brand that we were presenting to them. And the first impression that they were going to get was obviously uh, the packaging that it came in. So he had um, created this kind of general concept for these um, beautiful envelopes. And originally the boxes had our manner branding on them. Uh, but again, we had to, figure out how that could work with these box boxes changing every month and uh, kind of want to take the idea that he had from the envelopes of, you know, this elevated foiling and embossment uh, and how could that carry over to this label that was a little bit more of a consistent piece uh, that we could easily carry over from month to month. So kind of, I would say the relationship is that Austin created the brand and, um, introduced us to auto who we've been using for the monthly and the envelope um who we've worked directly with and sam over at auto has been been an amazing resource in trying to execute this and and kind of make it happen so in terms of like like deliverables or, or the tangible pieces that you guys are trying to create every month and the logistics of going from quarterly to monthly in in sourcing in production is like like that's crazy in itself but what what are the pieces that you're trying that you need to create every month with this brand that austin and his team created yeah so the physical pieces that come out every month are the box the label that goes on the box uh, the envelope, and then there is a monthly, which is inside of that envelope. So those are kind of the four pieces that are consistently uh, being carried out every month. And what is what is Manor? What what are you delivering to your customers? Like, what is that brand representing? Yeah, so Manor is a premium men's lifestyle subscription box. Um, it's based around experiences and introducing our customers to new brands and makers every month. Um, and so boxes come in anything. Uh, our last latest box was an EDC box um, that just had small items from like custom lighters and bottle openers and keychains and a uh, Japanese pocket knife um, to boxes revolving around a margarita night and a hand juicer that was made in Mexico. Um, but again, our goal is to kind of create an experience for our customer and teach them about the brands that are in their boxes and the makers of the products that we are putting into their home. Uh, and so we want to add value to these products and it's not just extra stuff that's lying around, but it's mm -hmm. stuff that uh, can bring you and your, your community together. And in that process, you can be a part of supporting a, supporting a maker, whether it's uh, a small business we've used, a small local leather guy that does everything in his, in his apartment. Um, and then we've used, you know, Verve Culture who 
makes everything in the culture where it's from. So like the hand juicer. So we went to Mexico, we photographed um, them actually making those and told that story of them and their business. Uh, and we do that every month for at least one of the products that's in our box. Um, that's cool. So that yeah. monthly piece that you guys create, that basically is a storytelling piece of some of the products within the box. So that's, you know, where there's a lot of editorial design and creation and publishing that goes into that. Oh yeah. So the monthly, the goal of the monthly is to, to tell our customer kind of what experience we want them to have or try and create with the box when it shows up at their door every month. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So now on the design side here, Austin, like they came to you and <clears throat> said, we've got this, we want to elevate this brand. We're going to go monthly mm -hmm. with this brand. Mm -hmm. Where do you take that? Like, how do you decide, how do you make those decisions in terms of materials and, and fonts and, and feel uh, on the design side? Yeah. So the way it actually started, they, they're, they acquired another gentleman's subscription, gentleman's box. Mm -hmm. And they realized that uh, I think that the price point that they wanted to hit for gentleman's box was too much of a stretch and a reach for their current clientele and the customers mm -hmm. that were working with them. And so they, I, I, they were just like, what if we just started a completely new company? So that's where this came from. So there was, there was no name. There was, there was nothing other than an idea of like, we want to be a premium men's online subscription company. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was essentially was the brief. Um, so we were redesigning gentlemen's box to look a certain way, but then there was this whole other world that we needed to elevate past what they acquired and kind of mm -hmm. passed some of the other stuff that was um, in terms of competitor set. So we um, went through the whole process of, you know, mood boards and names and uh, uh, target consumers and all of that like, character um, profiles and like little stories, et cetera, et cetera, and came up with the name Manor. And for some reason, it, no one owned it anywhere which never happens in terms of never, never never happens. happens and so it just it just worked out um that it was you know essentially a man brand uh and that we could call manor and then we started spinning off alliterations off of that so this thing that you see like the monthly like it was like the manor monthly so we had design concepts and trying to figure out the right kind of sandbox to play in from the visual look tone and feel that the client carly and crew wanted to play in um and we navigated to what you're seeing now. What rarely happens, I think it was like the first round of work. Everything that you see here was first round work. Like there, I think the tagline got changed. Um, <laughs> and you changed out for your mission. Yeah, that and it. that, and that, I think that was it. Everything else um, from like what we designed, because we designed usually like we'll have an identity and some of that kind of stuff, but then we'll mm -hmm. go and like go whole hog and design a bunch of like digital mockups of just like yeah. how this brand can stretch and how it can feel and et cetera, et cetera. And I think based off of that, I think that they were probably inspired by some of those things. Like, oh yeah, we will do more of this editorial thing, or we'll do a slip sleeve with. The envelopes and you know they went the extra yard mile to make make sure that what we were envisioning actually came to life which doesn't always happen because there's budget concerns there's mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. supply and chain problems there's like getting the right printer etc cetera, etc cetera. but we work with um a print company locally uh auto and carly and crew are local as well just right over the river in cincinnati so it was like bringing them on board to who we love to and so like people that we liked were working with other people that we liked. And so it was just a little bit more of a fluid relationship. Yep. And Carly really was the one that then kind of start driving the substrate um, considerations based off of kind of just the digitalness, flatness of what we were trying to present. So I think she did a hell of a good job. So did I hear you right by saying that the first presentation of this brand just got thumbs up? Like, yep, this is, this yeah. is it. Yeah. How often does there that happen? Uh, we hit home runs every once in a while, but, but this was, this was one that was like from name to positioning, to mood board, to, to all of the stuff like that was a, that was a solid win for sure. Uh, yeah, and I there think was, you gave us two mood boards and we're like, we love both. Can you marry them? Right. And then <laughs> right. this is the name we right. want. And right. yeah, it was exciting because right. I had literally just joined the team. Yeah. You just started probably yeah. like a week before, two weeks before they presented their first deck um yeah. 
so that was kind of my first month here was being a part of uh, figuring out what this bad boy was going to be, which yeah. is exciting. And then we had, yeah, we had a couple other design concepts and they were like, yeah, we'd like those too. But like, that would be a super rad candle brand. Like yeah, it was, that like, it was would kinda, be a luggage brand. <laughs> right. That would be a, like, no, I forgot. That would be a cool luggage brand. That's right. It was like, okay, I see that. So it, um, we'll just back pocket those bad boys. And yeah, exactly. Wait, for that, wait till brand. that luggage brand comes a knock. We'll, just, we'll, yeah. just pull it we'll out. let you know. We'll give you another call. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. So what I what I really like that you touched on, Austin, is you said, you know, you you delivered this brand and then Carly really ran with it and went, let's talk materials. Let's talk how we want this unboxing experience to be. What do we want to include and what does that literally feel like in your hand? So Carly, can you tell me a little bit about that process of taking that brand that Austin and the team created and putting a tactile feel to it? Yeah. Um, so obviously budget is one fun piece that you always get to play with. Um, so my first step was kind of figuring out pre with our previous brand, what our print collateral was, what were all the pieces mm -hmm. going into this, um, and what that number was, and then figuring out how many pieces I wanted or we as a team wanted to condense manner to, um, so that we could elevate each piece individually and maybe have, uh, a few less pieces, um, and create that, you know, more premium, more premium feel. So that's kind of where we started. We figured out, we kind of, the biggest piece was figuring out the box, I would say. Um, because like I said, there's boxes that are this big and then there's boxes that have to hold a big, a giant juicer and they change every month. Um, but we knew we wanted what you got in the mail to feel premium, um, before you even opened it up. And so we went through, I'll talk to a ton of different printers, um, just trying to see what different people's creative solutions were for how we could do that at an affordable, um, cost so that we mm -hmm. could put our cost towards, the pieces inside. Um, and so once we finally figured out, let's just make the box blue <laughs> and how can we make it the nicest, um, cleanest blue possible. And then now let's align this label, uh, to it that will elevate that box. Um, and so then actually one of our, my coworkers here, um, his dad has worked in labels for most of his career. Um, cool doing sales for different companies, uh, for labels. And so we actually decided to go the route of doing more of like a liquor or wine bottle, um, style label. Mm -hmm. And so, um, had coffee and lunch with him a fair amount of times to kind of figure out that piece and figure out what substrate we wanted to use. But, uh, it's actually printed on a material that they use regularly for, um, for wine labels. So it's just a, a wine label felt, um, mm -hmm. which is a really beautiful piece. And we were able to kind of go through our curation for the year and run a huge run of them, um, so that we could make it affordable per piece. Yeah. Um, and then kind of found out obviously the manner outfit your ambition, uh, which is kind of your first experience with this box, uh, never changes with the label. So, um, that can always be embossed uh, so that we could just have that die cost one time and then let that piece kind of run on every label. Yes. Um, yes. So that's kind of how we made that an affordable piece. And then the rest of it is all actually digitally printed, which you would never think with the quality of print, but I think just the substrate that it's printed on, mm -hmm. uh, we were able to get that, that really like high quality print. We actually gave them samples um, of the drawdowns of the color on the box so that they gave those to their um, manufacturer where these labels were printed. And mm -hmm. so they kept running, doing runs of the labels themselves until they could get the color saturation um, on the paper uh, rich enough to kind of match what was happening on the box um, so that when those were together that you could, um, you know, that they, that they worked well. And so I think that's what really adds uh, a lot of richness to this piece. So that was kind of the first piece mm -hmm. that we had to figure out and then see where, where we stood. Uh, and then we went to auto for the print pieces. So uh, I really wanted to keep 
all of the print local because um, right now we are small uh, mm-hmm. and we can and we can do that. And being a new brand and this happened pretty fast. So we really didn't start working on sourcing these pieces until probably March or April. Mm-hmm. Um, by the t- time the design was said and done and the first month of boxes shipped out in June, um, which was pretty tight to (laughs) manufacturing world that's tight (laughs) yes to get samples um i wanted to make sure we had these pieces in hand before they went in boxes obviously and be able to make tweaks and changes because as we were talking about before plenty of things don't come out the first come out right the first time um so uh austin introduced us to sam over at auto i am there probably at least once a week still at this point um partially just because it's a fun place to be and exciting to see what they're working on and um partially just to kind of check in on our projects and see what's going on so i spent a lot of time over there we like I mentioned earlier, chose mini blue papers uh, and tried to order mini blue papers that we couldn't get and uh, had to figure out what that looked like. And then once we found the blue paper that we wanted, like I said, I knew we didn't want to print this envelope. I knew we wanted it to be um, a solid blue paper. Then we chose foils. So brought in the Pantone chips um, for this brand's colors and actually I went through all her floor books and couldn't find anything I liked. So we actually shipped, mailed the Pantone chips um, to a few different foil manufacturers and tried to find the closest match, especially for the Manor color, which is a little bit of like an off-white, warm gray color. Um, The cream cream colors, like the off-whites, are such a challenge. Especially with foil. They're like, we don't we have a white and a 50% gray. And you're like, that's yeah. not going to work. <laughs> you could try a pearl, but like, yeah, that's not going to hit it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we reached out to three different um, foil manufacturers and yeah. got a bunch of samples in, um, actually transferred them onto the paper um, so that we could see how they would read, how the blue would read behind them, knowing that it would probably darken the foil up a little bit. We wanted everything to stay matte um, just to kind of stay true to the nature of this brand and, mm-hmm. and what it was about. And then we actually, where you see the monthly here on the inside, that's actually foiled as well. Um, So we wanted that foil to match the paper after we finally landed on a paper. Um, But then we didn't want to print anything else blue on the cover um, because we didn't want the blues to, because this is a little bit brighter of a blue than the true um, Manor brand blue. Mm -hmm. Um, So we wanted that experience to be uniform uh, and then not reintroduce the darker until you, until you get inside. So one of the challenges that you're talking through experiencing is you're taking a label that's printed one way, a box that's printed another way, uh, an envelope that's printed another way and a card that's created another way. And you're trying to, to match those colors and make sure that the brand is cohesive across all of those pieces. And the, battle I'm sure you ran into was it's really hard to to get close in certain arenas of print oh definitely and and the reality is sometimes you just can't get close and that was kind of part of our reality with these envelopes and then our boxes and labels Uh, we would have had to really brighten everything up once we figured out where we had to go in terms of paper which we didn't want to do Um, we had a lot of other work already done that kind of depended on that deeper blue. Uh, mm-hmm. So do, we didn't want to kind of lose the integrity of that. And so we had to kind of commit to the brighter blue paper and yeah. see how we could bring that in as like a secondary element and how we could um, Something still complimentary. keep that. Part. Yeah. Yeah. Let it complement the rest of the brand and keep it, keep that premium experience. Um, but part of how we did that was, matching the foil on the monthly inside Mm -hmm. once you open up the envelope so that there's kind of two tangible pieces that that have that that brighter blue um so you you do kind of have to problem we did kind of have to problem solve a little bit when we got to that point and just accept that we it's worth it to us to uh have the foil and have the blue paper versus printing and getting an exact match um, Mm -hmm. 
and just kind of we had to decide what was more important there to us and then figure out how to make it cohesive kind of afterwards and let it comp- let them complement one another. So Austin and his team create these this brand that is, you know, luxury and bold and and masculine to fit this particular brand and this particular need. And you then find the right materials to deliver on the tangible feel to that. And looking at the materials, I mean, it'll be another level, like if I had them in my hand, but looking at them here, the materials selected, like deliver on that luxury feel of things. Like if you had gone with, and and this is what I always try and teach is the importance of material selection with a brand. Like if you went with a gloss envelope or a gloss paper for that, the monthly piece that goes inside that envelope, that doesn't align. Like there's, there's a misalignment in that brand experience with that piece. Yeah. And a big piece for this is we wanted everything to be flat. Um, We didn't want anyone, anything to be, to be gloss. Um, And originally we wanted everything to be kind of a felt finish. Um, But then again, we couldn't, thanks to supply chain, (laughs) um, get the sticker, the envelope and the monthly uh, different weight and types of stock in felt in the colors that we wanted. So then again, we had to just regather samples and figure out what complemented each other and, and what worked well together. Um, so the label is actually felt the envelope is, a is a vellum, a blue vellum. And then the inside is, uh, a linen stock. Um, so just kind of, but we wanted that kind of layering to be intentional. Um, Mm -hmm. So you have, you know, this premium felt on the exterior, which is commonly on an, on the exterior of, of packaging, um, of a label, of a box. Uh, and then you kind of have this vellum cardstock, which is kind of this like secondary, feels like what would be inside of a box, a secondary appropriate material. Um, and then this kind of linen piece that you want to keep and, and hold on to and pick up and interact with. So Austin, when you guys are looking through these materials um, and, you know, Carly's out there doing the running around trying to figure this all out, was that, was there any point where the brand colors became a little bit fluid just with what was available? No, because I think this is all pre everyone kind of, crashing their car into the paper shortage world like this mm-hmm. is we didn't like pick the color just based before <laughs> just before and um we we just thought that the colorway and where we all kind of navigated to just kind of had um just a nice play and for us like we look at what category is doing as well and like this was kind of a, just a nice individual look within category and like when we're yeah. like doing design stuff too like we have substrate in mind when we're talking because not all the time do you have someone like carly who's going to drive the car and like make sure that all those decisions and choices are made like a lot of times we're having to make them on ourselves and so we'll Mm -hmm. like on the monthly like we're mocking up linen or some sort of toothy textural paper in the flat mock-up so you can kind of just get just the 2d image of what hypothetically should be the 3d especially when you're talking about there's nothing about this brand that's going to like blow your head off in terms of like oh my god that's the craziest graphic design i've ever seen but where it does elevate and you kind of get into that space a little bit more is with the textual expressions of the choicefulness of the mm-hmm. substrates. Yeah. And like the substrates do the talking uh, and not some crazy illustration or design, et cetera, et cetera. And like there was just kind of like an openness about the brand that we were kind of just gravitated towards when we designed. And I think that that came along in the print collateral. But the the blues and having to balance that and you understand like matching pantones to paper colors to digital <laughs> yeah. like it's 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 a job and a nightmare in of itself yeah. and i think that there's really some good harmony between yeah we might have a little bit of a lighter blue but at the end of the day is your customer going to be like hold on we're going back to what we were talking about earlier like like we don't have coke red money so where everything's coke red no matter what uh, yeah. Like yeah. we can have, we can have a variation in hue and saturation of the blue and it'll get dialed up eventually and dialed in, but it's not broken by any means. No, no. And, and that's what, I, and 
Carly, you really, you touched on this when you said that the envelope paper, you know, was a little bit lighter, wasn't exactly what you guys wanted. But then when you were looking at that monthly piece that went in it, how do we make this match the envelope? How do we align right. these two particular pieces? Yeah. And the photo that I got up right now, I'll share it on Instagram for when this goes out. Um, but like that, this is the foil on a linen stock with mm -hmm. an uncoated vellum sheet. Like those to me look identical. Right. So that builds this brand cohesiveness because your first experience is label and box. Okay, that's one thing. Now you open it up. What's the next experience I'm going to have? And it's right. this piece probably on top with yep. that mm -hmm. experience of the stocks that really bring home the brand and deliver on that. Yeah. yeah, and one thing that Austin mentioned too that was really important to us is when he presented the concepts to us, when we chose this identity and this really bold, strong word mark, we knew that the physical side of it was going to be really important um, to show how premium of a brand that it was. And so we kind of committed to that when we chose this concept. Um, and so that's kind of why it ended up being more important to us to get the colored stock and to have this thing foiled and embossed versus mm -hmm. get the perfect color and just have it printed. Mm -hmm. um, Cause obviously we could have gone that route as well, but uh, the, the touch uh, associated with this brand and this word mark was really important for us to, to execute on. So, um, I'll ask you sort of a, a sort of a generic yet specific question, if that makes any sense. I don't know what I just said, but sure. it's the embossing and foil stamping. Why was that important, and and how does that align with the brand? Yeah, um, so I think that that was important partially because the blue stock was important, um, yeah. and if we wanted a light gray, warm gray word mark to be strong and stand true on a blue stock. Uh, it wasn't going to come through print <laughs> um, or ink, I guess mm -hmm. I should say. Um, foil still being just a different form of print. Uh, and so for the way to us to, to best achieve that and highlight that brand was through foiling it and embossing it uh, and letting it standalone i mean it's a fair it's like an eight by ten envelope um so it has some scale to it and the only thing on it on any side is that identity uh so we wanted it to be bold and true to what it was designed to be um and it's the same thing it's also embossed on the label so we kind of wanted that element to carry through throughout your experience of uh being introduced to the brand, I'm, like I said, when these cus the customers got this in the mail, their very first experience of Manor um, before the website even launched was the box and this envelope that was inside of their mm -hmm. very first package. So was Austin, was embossing and foiling part of the brand or did that just come naturally through, through I think the that was maybe like, I think that was maybe through like conversation, right? And but also knowing that we wanted it in the early on, we wanted it to be a blue substrate. We didn't want a flood of blue ink on yeah. white. And then we just knocked out the logo. So that's just, that's just the cost of playing the game when you're starting mm -hmm. to present stuff that way. Uh, and that's how we showed everything was this kind of light gray on blue substrate. And that was going to be for everything. And then I think then the reality sets in like, this is how the manufacturing production aspect of this actually gets built. And then they were able to, to, to pick um, uh, a sharp foil for it. And then the emboss, again, it just gets that textural expression that just kind of like adds to the toothiness of everything else. And it's just that like little feather in the cap touch on something that's basically negative space, right? And open. And it's like you open it and just bullseyes to manner. And you just have that little bit of touch that you know, like, okay, this is something elevated even to your eye before you touch it. Yep. Yep. And the tagline is not embossed, just manner itself. So it just adds another uh, level of hierarchy right. as well yep. to the experience. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of the timing of Austin, when you're first presented with mm -hmm. this this brand, this, this work, mm -hmm. this project, to holding the first pieces of this project in your hand, what is that timeline like? Mm -hmm. Oh, man, Carly, I don't remember. All the projects just blur into one, just... 
Yeah, I mean, you guys uh, started presenting concepts to us in January, and the first box shipped out in June, and we probably got these like the week before they shipped out. It was pretty tight. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we locked on the brand, like I said, pretty quick and uh, handed them over. And then Carly had the hard job of having to like source everybody and kind of corral all the cowboys in the print world to make sure that this thing happened. Yeah. And with all of that work said, with all of the brand work, all of the, you know, running around, figuring out stocks, the production and figuring all that stuff out, what's been the result of this package? What's the feedback? What are you, what are you experiencing Carly in, you know, what are the customers saying? Yeah. I mean, so far from what we've heard, they, they're definitely loving it. They're loving the experience. They, they know it's something, um, premium that they're a part of. Um, I think it gives some equity to a brand that they're not familiar with yet. Cause like I said, we pulled customers from, um, from the gentleman's box brand, uh, which was not elevated to this level. Um, and so shifting them to a totally new experience uh and trying to keep them as customers is is a big a big task uh and so i i do think that that these pieces have been a big part of getting them to sign on and it being something that they want to be a part of and i think it it helps the customers know that um we do carry care about every little detail of this brand um our our CEO even got to come down and walk through the print shop with us when some of this stuff was being done. And, uh, even he was just like so excited, uh, to, uh, be a part of, of that piece of the process. And it, it excited him about everything that we were doing and it helped him, uh, you know, really put another level of trust in us, uh, that we were, you know, carefully caring for every little, uh, detail of this brand as we started to launch it. Uh, so even internally, it made a big impact on when people got to to hold this in their hands. It, it got them them really excited about where they were taking Manor, and I think it was a great preview uh, to our vision of of what this brand was was going to be even beyond the packaging. And you know, this being one of those subscription boxes, you know, a monthly box. Um, in in my in a past life, I um I w I ran a subscription box, and I did a lot of research into that market and figuring that out. And you know, now being so heavily involved for print for the last nineteen years is print is an experience, and that thought process of creating an experience using materials and inks and and design is is even more important when you're creating a subscription box and something that you want somebody to just be wowed by every single month that they receive it, because that just reduces churn. It keeps them a part of the company. It keeps them a part of the brand. And by creating a printed experience with the box and the label and, and the envelope and all of these touch points, it, it's telling that customer who's paying a premium for that subscription that it's more than just digitally printed at our printer in our office and thrown into a box haphazardly. You know, there's a lot of thought put into this, a lot of money, a lot of time, and you want it to be a great experience. And that's super important. And that comes across in all these materials and the design and, and everything that you guys have put together here. Definitely. Well, thank you. I love it. So the last question that I wanted to wrap this up with is, um, Carla, we'll start with you. Where can people learn more about Manor, um, the Manor subscription, and all about Rove? Where can people find that? Yeah, so um, mannergoods.com is kind of where we are posting our new boxes every month. Um, at Manor Goods is all of our social media. Um, so all of our fun photography and kind of the stories that I was talking about that we're, that we're telling every month, our new box drops, um, previews to what we're curating coming up soon. Um, those are kind of the two best places that you'll find that. Um, we also have a YouTube channel, uh, for Manor Goods as well. Uh, telling all of those stories from the story of the box and the experience we want it to be to the maker. Um, but, you know, letting this box and print be a part of that too. But yeah, that's the best place to, to learn more about it. I love it. Mixing that like digital with print media and box experience, you know, merging all those worlds. Um, that's, that's where the, where the happiness is. That's where it's, where it's all going on. <laughs> Awesome. Where can people learn I'm, more? Yeah, about I'm jealous. Everything they do is like good. And like yeah. all their social stuff, they're on every damn platform. Awesome. And it's just like, how? 
Well, if they keep paying you in constantly. cigars, you got nothing to worry about. <laughs> well, yeah, cigars and hugs. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Durham. Where are you? Durham. Is that the question? Where are we? Yeah, um, where, where can people find more about you? See what you see oh, what you're working on. Um, if you want to see what we're actually working on, come to the new studio in Covington. Uh, and front awesome. door is always open, but uh, digitally, which we're not the best at, um, Durham Studio, Instagram, website, it's Durham Studio across the board for everything. So awesome. that's where we don't um, don't upkeep as much as we probably should. But uh, oh, we're just moving into a new dump. studio. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff going on. But um, <laughs> but yeah, man, no, Durham Studio is what it is. Awesome. I'll put the links to all of these down in the Beautiful. description of this podcast episode just to make it real easy for people to check it out and access. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much for taking the time and sharing this with us. I love seeing printed brands come together and create these experiences. You know, that's the key word I keep going back to is creating these tangible experiences that are increasingly sought after in this digital age and brands that are doing it right are really winning. And this is one of those brands. Very cool, man. Appreciate that. All right, that is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much, so much for checking it out. If you're digging what you're hearing here on the Print Design Podcast, head over to App Podcast or Spotify where you're listening and rating and a review for us. We'd really appreciate it. And in the, in the description of this podcast episode, find the links to links to Manor Goods, the, link, the links to Rove Companies, Durham, of course, course, links and things that we talked about. The the show notes, I'm doing air quotes right now. The, the show notes, you can get all of that stuff in the description of of podcast thanks so much for listening listening we'll see you next week